Welcome to Leveraging the Laboratory, a Mayo Clinic Laboratories podcast for administrators, outreach managers, and laboratory professionals to learn how to best leverage and optimize the laboratory for patients, clients, and staff. I'm your host, Jane Hermanson, Outreach Manager at Mayo Clinic Laboratories. And joining me today is John Haywood, Vice President of Sales and Service for Mayo Collaborative Services. So our discussion topic today, as you might imagine, is sales, particularly as it relates to an outreach program. John, why don't you start and tell me a little about yourself and the role that you play within Mayo Clinic Laboratories? Well, first of all, Jane, it's, uh, it's great to see you and such an honor to be asked to be part of the show and the discussion this morning. It's been a lot of fun following your career, uh, the great things you've done on a, on a national stage to help advance outreach. So I'm super excited to be a part of that. A little bit about me. I've been with Mayo Clinic for 18 years now. I've had a few different roles. So started as a specialist, as a sales rep, uh, actually living in the Northwest. I'm covering five states out there, articulating the value of Mayo Clinic laboratories to hospital laboratories and laboratory directors as we worked to grow our penetration within those markets. After that, I had an opportunity to relocate to Rochester for one of my favorite all-time jobs. I was the director of outreach. I was tasked to help us look at things a little bit differently. How do we take outreach to the next level? How do we go beyond recommendations and really help individuals that are looking to grow their outreach, but don't exactly know the next steps to implement some tangible ways to be successful. My responsibilities now oversee sales and outreach for Mayo Collaborative Services, which is a larger umbrella company of which Mayo Clinic Laboratories is our largest business. It's an exciting role for me in that I get to help continue to work with Mayo Clinic Laboratory Service Line that I've been a part of for so long, but I also get to help our new and emerging businesses scope out and grow sales as Mayo Clinic Laboratories is really the outreach program of Mayo Clinic. And so we're expanding that beyond laboratory. We're expanding that into biopharma diagnostics. We're expanding that into some cardiovascular remote monitoring services and a few more great things to come into the future. Fantastic. No moss grows underneath you, John. You just keep going, which is fantastic. So I think when we think about sales, clearly you've seen sales from a lot of different perspectives. And I'm just curious from your perspective, I have my own view on this, but from your view, what is the importance in having a sales role or position within a healthcare organization, specifically in the laboratory? Yeah, it's a great question, Jane. And, and people in the sales world, they talk about, I'm in healthcare sales. That's a, that's a really common statement. And typically it means they're in med device or they're in pharma or they're potentially in laboratory. And it, it really underscores the need for organizations that are looking to take their products to market, to advance their mission, right? And to bring some return associated with that, need folks out there bringing the message. In that case, why would healthcare be any different? So to think that a hospital doesn't need folks in their community or beyond their community out articulating the value that their system or a specific service line within their system needs, it just doesn't make sense. And so, so if we combine those two and we say, well, just as a medical device company needs a sales team talking about what's happening, a hospital needs the same thing. Because guess what? If you've got an outreach program and you're not out there talking to your physicians about your lab tests, 
someone else is. And so we need to be out there bringing the message, helping re-educate maybe around some disinformation that's being given out there, but also expressing the value of your individual laboratory and your ability to deliver service in a way that no one else can into that community. And so it's critical that we have salespeople that are out there having those discussions in your markets. There aren't a lot of lab scientists walking around in the labs who have any sales background. So it's a very unique skill set. So what we find is that many organizations that we work with seem very reluctant to hire a salesperson for the laboratory specifically. They say, well, we have physician liaisons, we have other people who are promoting other services, maybe they can just talk about those. What are your thoughts related to why organizations are so reluctant to hire someone in sales to promote lab? That's a great question, Jane. And, and I really think there's a few reasons. Number one, sales can get a bad rap. So people think of individuals that are pushing their agenda for their reward. And there are absolutely cases like that in sales across multiple industries and, and maybe even some in, in healthcare sales. But when we look deep in the hospital space, it's not individuals pushing their agenda for their reward. It's individuals pushing the opportunity for that hospital to give the best services in that community. They're educating that physician on the options that are available to them that they might not be aware of, generally or specifically. And so, so first, we need to get over the stigma of sales and some of the challenges that come with that. I think the second is for most laboratorians, the salesperson type is not the kind of person that they see when they look around the laboratory. And so not that laboratorians can't be extroverted, can't be people loving, can't be gregarious, but you need someone who's energized by those external conversations. You need someone who's willing to put themselves in uncomfortable situations where they're having a conversation with someone that they may not have ever had before. And so it's so different than what many of our laboratory leaders are used to when it comes to who do I hire? How do I hire them? What does it look like? And then you take the next step. How do I manage somebody? Most of our leaders within laboratory today, they are used to putting eyes. They are used to putting eyes on each of their employees on a regular basis. They know how well Bruce is doing on the bench or how well Becky is doing with her great efforts because they see it every day. They see when they come in and they see when they leave. A good salesperson shouldn't be in the office very often. If you're seeing them a lot, something is not going well, but that's really uncomfortable for a manager or a leader that's used to having that daily interaction and daily visibility with the individuals that they're in charge of. Well, and I think you brought up a really good point because how do you know they're doing their job? And it's one of those things when you know new business is coming in, clearly that salesperson is doing their job, but there's a lot of work that goes up to building that. So for that salesperson to be able to articulate their process to their manager, to their leader, so that they can justify the work that they're doing. But even if we take it a step back further than that, how does an outreach manager even get support to create a position for sales? If someone says, we already have physician liaisons, they can put lab into their portfolio, good enough. How do they actually plead the case specifically related to lab? You have any ideas on how the story is best told? Yeah, this is an area that we see fail time and time again, where someone says, hey, I've got externally facing individuals. They're already in a physician office. 
and absolutely they're going to talk about lab. And, and really the struggle comes in a couple of key areas. First is lab's just a small portion of that conversation. And the reality is if it's just a small portion of the conversation, it's easily forgotten or sometimes easily skipped. The second is those are frequently service individuals who are really trying to understand how are we working together today and how is that going, as opposed to individuals that are highlighting new things, highlighting things of value, trying to drive a change in behavior, which takes a totally different skill set. And so not only when you share, do you have a risk of you're not getting enough time, you also are likely to have the risk of the person who's having that conversation on your behalf doesn't have the skill set that's needed to change behavior. Let's be clear. I have multiple teenagers and trying to get my teenagers to just rinse out the cereal bowl, that is an almost impossible task. A more difficult thing to do is to stand in front of a physician and tell them that they're potentially practicing medicine suboptimally and there's a new path forward with the laboratory tests that you bring to the table. That's just a hard conversation. And so to have someone who's doing that as part of a service job doesn't work. You need a dedicated individual who knows exactly what that physician needs, understands the disease state, understands the diagnostics, understands the therapeutics associated with it. If you're talking to a specialist, understands all the logistics with it. If you're talking to a generalist, and so you need a dedicated individual who's up to that task. So you talked a lot about some of those personal traits and how they need to be able to be comfortable having some uncomfortable conversations. So when you hire an outreach salesperson, what are the specific traits that you see that would contribute the most to their success? I don't know if this is specific to outreach, but I'll tell you the three things that I look for when I'm hiring any individual and I encourage others to do the same. I think it probably transcends beyond sales, but there's a couple pieces of it that are that are pretty specific. So the first thing I'm looking for is character. You're going to be asking someone to wear your badge out into the market, and they're going to be representing the brand that you and your teammates have spent decades building and maintaining and growing. And so you want someone that you know is going to make the right decision every time. You want someone who you know is going to represent you well and put the organization ahead of themselves. So I think character is is first and foremost. The second is competence. And and what I mean by that is, do they have the basic skills? Have they sold before? Do they know how to manage a pipeline? Do they know how to follow a sales methodology? Even if it's not the one that you intend to use, someone who has embraced and moved forward with, with a methodology before will be more likely and more able to use yours going forward. And then the third one is courage. And, and that's the one that always catches people by surprise. To be a salesperson, you, you need courage. And really for a couple of reasons. First is you got to knock on that door. And the hardest call of every day is that first call. Getting out of your car, walking into the medical office building and knocking on that first door because you don't know what that conversation is going to look like and feel like. And so for a lot of people, the unknown scares them away from moving forward. And so you need that courage to knock on that first door to have that first conversation. Additionally, you need courage to ask difficult questions. And to me, difficult means questions you don't necessarily know the answer to, but also questions that may make the person you're talking to a little bit uncomfortable. And that's okay, because ultimately, in a sales role, we're trying to drive change. And typically, it's change from not using your hospital's laboratory to using your hospital's laboratory, that simple. 
But in order to drive change, there may be some uncomfortable, uncomfortable moments in those discussions. So having the courage to do those two things can really help separate a successful salesperson from someone who's just working really hard, but maybe not getting the job done. I like that. And then they start with, they all start with C. So it's a little easier to remember, right? <laughs> so, so when you think, John, about how someone gains those skills. So character, that's who they are, right? Competence, that's something you have to learn. Courage, that's inherent skill. What kind of experience would set a lab outreach salesperson up for success? Yeah, great question, Jane. I think number one, having some sales background. So we touched on that a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. but having done this before is huge. And the main reason it's really big is as a manager, whether it's the lab manager or the outreach manager, if you don't have sales experience, you're probably not going to be able to train someone from square one how to do sales. No sales book is going to be able to do that. You need someone who's had formal sales training, had some experience. Ideally, with all of us, we want to hire someone who made mistakes working for someone else, learned from those mistakes, and takes those learnings into our organization. And so if we can identify people that can do that, that's fantastic. Ideally, if they come from healthcare, that's even better. If they come from the community, that's even better. The compounding of those two aspects means they may have existing relationships that they can lean on, or at least they understand the dynamics that are unique to the community that each of our organizations work in, right? Every hospital is absolutely different and every community is different. And so if someone's not having to learn the basics of selling, the basics of healthcare and the basics of your community on the job, but you inherit and you hire all three of those things already in place, you're in a much better spot. Okay. So one thing that we hear a lot is that when a, a laboratory accepts the fact that they will need a salesperson, they'll say, well, what about Jessica? She's the most outgoing, friendly tech we've got on the bench. She's always looking for something more. What would you say about a gregarious lab scientist who's looking for the next step in their career, knowing that everybody's got to have their first sales job. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think there's absolutely a role for Jessica, but it's probably not the full-on sales role. The reality is Jessica doesn't know all of those things that we just talked about. She's got the technical portions of the laboratory together. She may understand the community okay. She's not going to understand sales in the way that it needs to be executed towards success. And so what we find is the best role for Jessica is have her ride with, have her spend some time with that salesperson. And two amazing things happen. Number one, the physician or whomever they're calling on appreciates the lab-specific expertise that Jessica can bring to the table. And there will be moments in the conversation where she will shine and things will move forward differently because she was there. The second value is Jessica can then learn the sales process. She can see how a true sales professional works. How do they manage their day? How do they think? What kinds of questions do they answer? Or do they, what kinds of questions do they ask? And how do they decide what question they're going to ask in what order? Those are great things that Jessica can learn along the way. And when people bring that person up, my first answer is absolutely yes, there's a spot. But being the lead salesperson right off the bat isn't going to be the best for Jessica or for the organization but a process that allows her to learn and be set up for success will really help both in the future. 
I really, really like that because it's a process that sets her up, but still allows her that opportunity to dip her toes in and see if it's something that she really does want. So if you think about once that person is hired and John, you've been a learner about sales and leadership for a long time. Do you have any favorite books, podcasts, other resources that you would recommend to anyone who just wants to know a little bit more about sales and, and build their knowledge base? It's a really important piece. I am a learner. I can't stop absorbing. There's really a couple that have stuck out to me over time. So I worked under the Miller-Hyman sales methodology for a long time. And what Miller-Hyman gave me was structure. So whether it's you're following their conceptual selling or their strategic selling or even their large account management program, there is structure and rigor around how you interact with your customers, what kind of information you need to gather, what kind of solution do you put in front of the customer and how do you present that solution? And I think even though it's quite a few years old, I think that program is 45, maybe even 50 years old, it continues to be updated and it is just as relevant today as it was back then. And so easy books to buy, easy books to read, things that can give folks great structure. Number two is really cementing in your customer's mind that the pain of same where they sit today is greater than the pain of change. Because getting people to change, as we talked about earlier, is tough. And so the only way to drive that change is for people to feel and people to understand that doing what they're doing today will be more difficult than going through a change process towards something new. And the Challenger Sales Methodology has a great book. There's a Challenger Sales Podcast. There's some amazing resources out there. Additionally, through Mayo Clinic Laboratories for our primary clients, we offer sales training. We have a gentleman named Mike Hiltonen, who is an expert in this space and has put together some amazing sales training experiences, training classes. We offer those online occasionally. We offer those in little bits and pieces at our outreach conference every year that happens in the fall. And so there's an unlimited supply of valuable resources that you can get either on your own or through a combination of what Mayo Clinic Laboratories is offering through Jane and the outreach team. Thank you. Thank you, John. And Mike does a fantastic job, but we clearly know that there are a lot of external resources and our clients can take advantage of a lot of that. So I think we've had a nice chat, John. And one thing, if you've listened to these podcasts before, you know, I always like to end with a rapid fire question. So I hope that you're ready for this. It shouldn't be too tough. If you had to just think of the three things, the top three things that a salesperson needs in order to be successful when representing an outreach program, what would they be? Top three. All right. I'm going to say number one, they have to be putting the organization, the way that their organization thinks, the way they feel, the way they value the patient, the way they value the community. That has to be a thread of every conversation they have. If they're sitting in front of the physician or whomever they're calling on, and it feels different than that individual's perspective of the hospital or healthcare system you're representing, you're not going to get anywhere. And so there has to be congruency between the, you as an individual and the organization that you're representing. I think the second is you need high activity. You need someone who's making multiple calls every day, because the reality is some calls aren't going to go well and aren't going to lead to something. And others are going to go well and are going to lead to something. And even those of us who have been doing this for a long time, 
we don't always know the difference between the two. And so you've got to get out there and you've got to have those conversations. You've got to push, you've got to push yourself to continue to be better. And honestly, the third thing is something we haven't talked about and we don't talk about a whole lot and that's follow up. Someone asks you to do something, do it and do it right away. If you say you're going to do something, do it and do it right away. And typically the best time to do that is at the end of the day. And whether that's just a thank you for someone spending time with you or sending that information that they asked for or sending your normal follow-up information, those that do effective follow-up are more successful than those that don't. Thank you so much. I love those follow-ups too, but I'm definitely keeping your three C's, the character, competence, and courage in my heart. So John, I, I want to thank you so much. You've clearly found your calling and sales leadership. It's in your, it's in your core and you have such expertise. And I want to thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I hope that our audience also has gained some new ideas related to laboratory outreach sales and will use them to improve their own sales efforts, which of course will then grow their own labs, serving more patients and bring the best quality lab services to their communities. John, thank you again for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Leveraging the Laboratory, a podcast from Mayo Clinic Laboratories. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. And until next time, we encourage you to continue to promote your community-based laboratory. The needs of the patients come first.